Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue with our series The Detox. We have a guest speaker, Pastor Ranjit, pastor of City Rock Church Chennai, share today's message. Uh, good morning, church. So, hope uh, you're doing fine and uh, hope you had a great uh, weekend. And good to see you on a Sunday morning, you know, uh, being with family and worshipping God together. Yes, uh, indeed, my weekend was very good. Uh, just uh, missing my wife and uh, uh, kid was stuck in uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, maybe I might be new for your uh, community. So, I would like to like talk about a bit of my uh, uh, journey, you know, how uh, Jesus came into my life and, you know, what other things happened. Um, so, my name is Ranjit, so as uh, Gershom would have introduced. And yeah, thank you, Gershom, for uh, you know, inviting me and to share uh, the word in your community. Really blessed uh, to have you as our friend. Uh, yes, it's a very long journey and a very tough journey, but thank God for uh, what God has done in my life. Um, I grew up in a Christian family where my mom was the first person to get saved in uh, 1980 when I was born. Uh, so, but uh, unfortunately, my dad. Uh, was a big time alcohol addict. From my three years of old, I never had a good father, you know, so we had to go through a lot of poverty. My mom had to go through a lot of uh, physical abuse and I was like humiliated for my color. So a lot of things like poverty, you know, didn't have a proper uh, childhood uh, abuse. Uh, then uh, then I got into the a uh, lot of friends and all the things, you know, so I thought uh, living on earth is not uh, worth. So maybe I should do something different. I got into drugs, then I got into heavy metal music, you know, then got into uh, all kinds of gang and everything. So at the age of 19, you know, I got stuck with drugs and I stopped believing in God. And in fact, I started worshipping uh, satanic, got into a satanic uh, worship, you know. And uh, so that was my, uh, the dead end of my life. And I thought 2001 should be the last year uh, I should uh, not face 2002 anymore. So I made a vow, uh, 2001, you know, I should try to kill myself and end my life. Uh, so then we thought, okay, why can't we take overdose of uh, pills and everything? So from 2001, January, my intake of pills and the chemicals and the drugs was really high, hoping that one day I should die. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I should be a dead body. So it was going on fines and one night uh, there was too much of drugs, too much of pills was there and uh, I was literally able to see my death and I was not able to breathe. I was really like struggling you know, I really wanted to reach out to my mom uh, but unfortunately my strength was not enough to reach out to the door and to knock or something you know and that is the time that fear of death came into my life you know. Uh, till the time I said, no worries, I want to die. But the fear of death came and that is where I started recollecting my whole childhood. And one thing uh, kept on like ringing in my heart was, you know, my mom used to say, you will try drugs, you will try relationships, you will try everything. A point of time will come that Jesus will be the person who will accept you as the way you are. You know, out of not out of great knowledge about who is Jesus or out of fear, you know, I just wanted to like scream out to him, tell that God save me. So I made a smallest prayer or not. Uh, God, uh, give me life. I'll give back this life to you. And instantly God completely came to my life and uh, handled all my addictions. Uh, gave me a fresh start. And from that night, 
I completely came out of drugs, you know. So that is where I started understanding who is Jesus. And the beginning stage, yes, I know Jesus. I experienced Jesus, but I don't know what to do next. And there was a mission trip was happening in my church. And uh, they said, let's go to West Bengal. There's a group of people who work in uh, uh, tea estates. There are no church uh, being planted. It was, it was a short-term mission trip, a 10 days uh, mission trip. Um, so ninth day, God is giving me a nudge saying that, you know, uh, Ranjit, stay back here. You know, I have something for you. So in those days, there was no cell phone. It was only landline. Everything. So I said, God, I'm going to stay back. So I was being there for three months. And that local missionary took me to the, the corners of the, all the forest, all the tea estates. You know, every day we used to share the gospel with the broken English, with the broken Santali over there. So one day God you know, challenged me. You know, uh, there are millions of years are ready to hear the gospel. And only few lips are willing to preach it. Would you like to offer your lip to preach the gospel to the unreached? That was my first missions call. And from that time, uh, uh, my heart burns and my heart cries. And I believe that that is the call which God has given to preach the gospel to the unreached parts of India. Uh, this is my small uh, journey. And uh, thank you for listening. So today I want to talk about, uh, you know, the missions, the heart of God, what God really desires, you know. Uh, so one of the the reason, you know, so why we have to get involved in missions is, is the love of God. You know, the, it's not a project. It is not a program of the church. It is not something that, you know, if I don't do missions, we feel guilty about it. You know, the, one of the reasons what should drive us towards getting involved in missions is, is the love of God. You know, uh, the root of missions is the love of God. You know, uh, I'm going to like run through a few scriptures. You know, most of you will be familiar with this, you know, just to tell how much God loves us. You know, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, you know, for God so loved the world and he gave his only one son. You know, God didn't give out of 10, he gave one. It was only one son he had and that one son was given to this mankind because he loved us uh, so much. Uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 8 says, you know, Jesus died for me while I was a sinner. You know, so during the marriage time, you know, when you ask, you know, when you go for your proposal, they always ask, you know, what is the qualification? You know, why should I give my daughter to you? you know, why should I, you know, uh, make you as my life partner? So do you have this? Do you have that? You know, based on that only, like, you know, we get the proposal, we get the proposal agreed, you know, if it is an arranged marriage. But see, look at God, without any qualification that we have, while we are still sinners, while we are in the darkest part of our life, but still God chose to die for us. That much love that God has poured upon us, you know. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 4 and 5, you know. God's love made us alive. I would like to read the scripture for you. Uh, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions, it's by the grace you have been saved. Through his love, I have life. In fact, I told you about my journey 2001, you know, when I was 19, you know, I was about to hit uh, death. I was about to hit hell because of Christ's love. You no, know, he came, he came, and just because of his love, still I'm alive. I'm able to share this good news to you. And you know, first John chapter 3, verse 1, love of God gave the rights to call him our father. You know, that is one of the beautiful relationships we have. You know, so some of you would have had a privilege of calling your father. You had the privilege of taking your father for your annual day, sports day, or in a relatives. But in my case, 
and never had an earthly father. You know, it was so hard to introduce my father because he's almost all 365 days is drunk, you know, and uh, aggressive. So I always had this figure like, you know, how the father will look. But the moment I accepted Christ, I was able to experience the the, the rights or the, the, the relationship which I have towards the Heavenly Father. And many of you can, you know, like affirm with me that the moment we believe in Jesus, we can call him our Father anytime. First John chapter 4 verse 19, you know, Jesus loved us first. You know, that is what we call relationship, not religion. You know, when Adam and Eve messed up big time, you know, so imagine like you're planning for a, a birthday party, you know, and that you want to give it for your wife, you know, and somebody breaks the surprise, you know, how bad you'll feel just for a small piece of cake and just just a small surprise. So you made a huge plan and all the surprise and somebody like, you know, burps it out, all the plan, you know, you feel so disappointed. But think about like God had a huge, massive plan for the mankind and they're disappointed. You know, actually like Adam and Eve supposed to go and search for God, saying that God, we messed up, you know, but that didn't happen. You know, God came and searched for man. He asked, where are you, Adam? You know, this is the beauty of our God. You know, we didn't call him. He called us. We didn't choose him. He chose us because he loves us, you know. You know, I think in uh, most of the times in the, in the family, you have a lot of uh, small petty fights and egos will be there. You know, who's going to talk first? You know, both of you love each other so much, but still, who is going to talk first? You know, who is going to initiate the conversation? You know, the same thing like, you know, here, you know, God didn't have any ego. He had so much of love, you know, even though Adam and he messed up and he said, where are you, Adam? And I'm willing to cover your shame, guilt. I'm going to take care of this issue, you know. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, you know. God's love made him poor, you know. Uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, you know, in love, rich in holiness, rich in perfection, you know, rich in everything, you know. Yet for your sake, for my sake, he became poor, you know, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, his, he became so weak on the cross so I can become so strong, you know, and that is what our God's love is all about. You know, First Peter chapter 3 verse 18, Jesus died for us so that we can be alive, you know. So we just very clearly establish that, you know, even if you say, I feel lonely, I feel depressed, I don't have anybody, uh, thousands of scriptures talks about how much God loves you and me, you know. Uh, sometimes a lot of young people, they ask me, do really God love me? You know, very simple thing, you know, that Jesus dying on the cross is a simple, great, significant act. It simply says that, you know, that I love you. You know, so we are established. God loves me. God loves you. God loves your family. And uh, there should be a response from our side. That is what I want to talk about. Yes, we know God loves us. But what is my response? You know, so uh, I would like to share like about my marriage. You know, so my I got married like uh, two years back, 2017, I got married. And it was an arranged marriage. Uh, my wife is from Sri Lanka. I am from India and uh, we didn't know each other very well. We didn't text or something. Uh, just before three days of marriage, we got to know each other and uh, we spoke. So always you know, during the conversation, the, the Sri Lankan cultural way of expressing love is different. 
from the Indian way of expressing is different, you know. So there is a, whenever the conflict comes in our family, whenever there's a like, you know, talk is going to come, you know, it's only me giving so much of love. You know, you don't make any space. You don't make any adjustments. And both of us, we always say that. You know, when a human being is trying to show love to us, it is an, uh, a natural expectation that, you know, that I also should respond to that love, you know, make some adjustments, make some shift in my life, make some alignment just to tell that, you know, I also love, you know, it was... And the first you know, one year was very uh, different journey, but now we figured out how to uh, uh, how to you know love each other. You know, so in the same way, God loves us so much. There is no doubt. The second question is like, do I love God, and how am I going to respond loving Jesus? And I'm going to like read a couple of scriptures. You know, and that is a very simple way of expressing our love towards God. You know, when we are touched by His love, there will be two responses from our side. First is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our first response to the love of God is worship. Offering everything. And it's not only about the money, it's not about the time, it's not about the talents. It's offering a living sacrifice for God. It's like, you know, whether you eat or drink, whether you sleep, whether you're going for a holiday with your family, whether you're having a very good conversation with your wife or having a coffee together, everything will bring glory to God. The first response for to tell that, you know, how much I love God is offering our body as a living sacrifice. And the second response is, you know, First uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Most of us are very familiar with John 3, 16. But the second part, like, you know, we are not much familiar. First John 3.16, you know. Uh, this is how we know what is love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is where the mission comes, you know. We are very clear. We are very sure. We are very confident that Jesus died for us on the cross because he loved us. And also the Bible also talks about like, you know, if I love Jesus, I need to lay my life for my brothers and sisters, you know. And uh, our God is a missionary God. Trinity is a missionary God, you know, like father sent us only one son. And the son had only one life and he gave that one life for the whole uh, mankind. And the Holy Spirit, it is sending a lot of missionaries to the place where that we cannot go and still the Holy Spirit is doing his work. So our God is a missional God. The Bible is a missional book. You know, if you, in fact, all the New Testament, if you read, it was written by missionaries, you know. And uh, if somebody said, if you remove missions from the Bible, only covers will be left from Genesis to uh, Revelations. And it is all about missions. Now, God's desire. Somebody said, you know, if you uh, reach out to the heart of God, you will hear two sounds. Everyone should be saved, none should perish. That is the heart of God. Normally, when we go into the time of prayer or worship, we share our desires to God. But we also need to know that God has a desire. God has a plan. God has some kind of like you know, some kind of uh, desires to execute it in this earth. That is to save everybody. You know that He wants everyone to be saved. None should perish. You know, so India is like in such a beautiful uh, country, you know, and uh, I'm going to like share like you know, three facts about India. You know, population is 1.4 uh, billion and the people groups we have is 2,716 people groups are there. 
so the saddest part is Jesus came 2000 years before in fact he sent his own trained student to south india you know and he preached the gospel and again other german missionary came in the 18th century and by god's grace we have the bible in our own tamil language a german guy translating a tamil bible like you know in fact i took a second language in 11th grade as french because tamil was so hard you know i never passed in my tamil, tamil exams but imagine like the holy spirit empowered ziganbal and he loved us so much and we had the bible in like 200 years before and we had the missionaries coming you know thomas coming to india like 2000 years before and most of us we are so blessed by all the missional schools hospitals you know but the saddest part is since 2000 years is over but still india is the least uh, reached nation across the whole world 2443 people groups they have never heard this wonderful name called uh, jesus and somebody said like you know uh, we don't have any rights to share the name of jesus twice when a person has never heard once it's a very good privilege that we live in chennai we live in the urban cities and you know, we can click into any kind of websites or online apps or you know, just to hear the name of jesus but like 97 percentage of the people in india they have never heard the gospel So today I want to talk about and encourage about like you know why missions is very very important. If I believe that you know Jesus loves me, my response towards the love of Christ is getting involved in missions. Missions is simply crossing your culture, crossing your comfort, crossing your country to carry the message of cross is missions. You know, Jesus was a great missionary. He left the father's glory he left all the comfort and came as a human and walked on the dirty roads walked among the the outcasted and he showcased his love and he finished his purpose and he was resurrected on the third day this is called missions you know the symbol of christianity is cross and a cross is not just we use it for the wedding or for the christian uh, like an idol but the cross simply says it sacrifice and the missions cannot be done without a sacrifice you know so we live in a very you know the the selfish world you know what do i get you know how can i be more comfortable how can i like you know make my life even more better but imagine like you know the one who created the heavens and earth the one who like you know brought everything in one word you know he didn't have a place to be born they were like searching for a place and nobody was willing to give space and he says like you know the son of man like doesn't have a place to lay my head that means you know during his life he didn't have a place to sleep he didn't have a place to live you know and even the saddest part was like when he died he didn't have a place to bury his body somebody has to volunteer somebody has to look at the the the, the life of sacrifice which jesus did he didn't have a place to be born he didn't have a place to live he didn't have a place to bury but think about like how much we are so privileged you know so missions is always you know i know very simply to say how can i enjoy missions you know if i am grateful to god i am automatically i'll get involved in missions example you know the the most threatening virus is coronavirus you know if if, uh, if some of you you know in your community finds the vaccine you know and it works really well you know that everybody are healed and everything the very simple thing that you know that that everybody will expect us you know kindly share the vaccine to us because you are blessed you are healed and kindly share it the same thing like you know the god we have the vaccine to eradicate 
the penalty of sin. We have the vaccine to overcome the power of sin. And we have the vaccine. One day we will escape from the presence of sin. And that is what God is expecting. Like you got this. You got this joy. You got this peace. You got this love. And why do you have to keep it inside the four walls and give it to someone who is in our community? So five barriers of involving in missions. I'm going to like share five barriers. Now, why that I'm not able to involve in missions? You know, uh, from 2001 to 2009, you know, so I've been traveling to North India. Uh, whenever I go to North India, like, you know, God increases the passion. God opens new doors, you know. And uh, when I come back to Chennai, when I come back to Mumbai, when I go to other churches, like, you know, uh, it is so difficult to see that, you know, how can they don't have the heart for God? You know, they say, I love Jesus. You know, I love the word of God. I'm really blessed. But what is next? We really struggle a lot. I just figured out, like, you know, from my church, I was going through a small study. You know, what is lacking in my church? You know, so five barriers for getting involved in missions. First is lack of relationship with God. We know Jesus by head, but we don't experience in our heart. You know, yes, I know Jesus. How in my head level? You know, uh, during my Sunday school, you know, if they ask me to draw a picture of Jesus, definitely I will draw the the most compassionate of who is Jesus because that is what people taught me. That is in my head. But inside my heart, I don't have a clear picture of who is Jesus. Maybe, you know, we, I, I grew up in a very legalistic church. So maybe I would have drawing a picture with, you know, like Jesus with a stick or someone, you know, who never heard about the name of Jesus. I will have a blank page. So a lot of times we know Jesus in our head, but who is Jesus in our heart? So always your relationship with Jesus. How is the relationship with God? You know, in the Bible, when we, whenever people had an encounter with the Creator, God gave a project. Example, Moses messed up. You know, he murdered. You know, he used his passion to fulfill the vision and ended up, you know, and left his call, left his purpose, you know, left his uh, destiny. At the age of 80, he's having an encounter with God, you know, and that is where God is giving a new project. You know, when you have an encounter with God, when you have an intimate relationship with God, the missions will, you know, will overflow in your life because that is the heartbeat of God. Now, sometimes, you know, like um, when you get married, on the journey of like, you know, being a couple, you know, like, you know, you become like your wife, your wife becomes like you because, you know, you start having a relationship and you slowly become like each other. In the same way as a journey with Christ, you know, we eventually have to think like Jesus. We eventually have to behave like Jesus. We eventually, we need to carry the heart like Jesus. Second barrier is like, you know, the lack of exposure of scriptures. You know, so we all like to pick up the promise words. We all like to pick up for the uh, for the first month, you know, for the first day of the month. Or I mean, before going for the exams. Or even the calendar, we don't see any commands there. You don't see any like conditions over there. It's only the promises are there. Now, the Bible talks about like, you know, we need to preach the gospel. In fact, the last words of Jesus, therefore, go and make disciples and baptize them. You know, this was the last word of Jesus. You know, when uh, when he came to this earth, maybe in Mark chapter 3, uh, we will read the scriptures. He was praying and he went and picked up the disciples for three reasons. One is to be with them. Second is to preach the gospel. Third is to deliver the people from sickness and all the bondages. Why did God choose you? Why did God love you? Why did God, you know, like you know, paid all the price on the cross so that I will be with them? 
and I will take this good news to the people around me and I will help people who are in bondage. You know, this is the script, scripture, a lot of scriptures talks about uh, missions. Accept the one who has eight. You know, I'm going to pour out my spirit and you'll be my witness. You know, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You know, tongues is not to given uh, to raise a noise. It is to raise a voice. That is Jesus. That is why God has given the tongue. Why did God give tongues? So that we can reach every tongue, every tribe. You know, in fact, all the festivals, Christmas is a missions festival. <laughs> Jesus was born. Joy to the world. You know, and Easter he said, now go and tell the whole world I'm resurrected. You know, every festival of ours is very missional. But unfortunately, we don't see the scripture in the eyes of God. We only take what we want. Third thing, you know, lack of clarity about the gospel. You know, so, I mean, I'm in a journey of understanding who is Jesus. I don't know completely as a church. We are also walking through. Uh, when I got saved uh, during my ninth grade, I took baptism uh, uh, based on my father and mother's credit because they were like going in a church. Oh, you are uh, this person's son. Okay, you take baptism. And I thought, okay, based on my father and mother credit, I took baptism. I thought taking baptism, I'll pass in my ninth grade. That was my whole intention. Then and I, at the age of 19, I encountered who is Jesus. And that is where I knew who was Jesus. And later I was walking along with God. That is why I got the clarity of gospel. You know? A lot of times we heard the gospel on a need based. Do you you don't have a job? God will give a job. You know you 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 are falling sick. Yes, you know Bible. Yes, He delivers, He helps. But more than that, the gospel is you know that we are all sinners, and the penalty of sin is death, and that sin is that death has been cancelled through the perfect sacrifice on the cross. This is gospel. You know. I believe that when we go, I don't know, you might think, you know, this is very contradicting to the secular world. When you share the gospel, the gospel has the power. A lot of times in our church, we have atheists coming in. Uh, we have uh, people from other faith background coming in, you know, and it is sometimes so hard to tell them, you know, Jesus loves you. Yes, they take it, you know, and to tell that you are a sinner, you know, no, I'm not a sinner. You know, like we have a lot of tough time to talk about this. But when we share the real gospel, the clarity of the gospel gives them freedom, gives them, it works. The, the gospel has the power and you don't have to worry about it. But a lot of times we grow in church, we hear so many sermons, but when one asks someone to share the gospel, they'll say, you know, uh, yes, I was depressed. I believed in Jesus. My depression got over. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is we need to really, a lot of Christians don't have the clarity of preaching the gospel. And I made a huge mistake in my during my uh, Pambathur church plant. Uh, seven years I was involved in like, you know, planting church in Pambathur. Almost every weekend I traveled to Pambathur. So I thought Pambathur people will love music, uh, food, hangouts, bike rides. I did all these things. And the church didn't grow and the church didn't also involve in missions. So one day I was like really frustrated Talking to a small guy, like, you know, like, you should be like 15 or 16. And I very clearly said, Anna, like, you know, you want us to go and tell about Jesus to North India. But the sad part is, many of them in our church who don't know who is Jesus. That really, like, you know, opened my eyes. You know, seven years, I'm screaming, go for missions, go for missions. But the problem is, people in my own church didn't know who is Jesus and how they're going to tell about Jesus, you know, in the 
North India. So the barriers of the mission is many of us don't know the gospel, the clarity in the gospel. For this lack of courage to present Jesus to our friends and families. Lack of courage. Somebody said if Jesus would have preached the message I am preaching, you would have had a big fan club. You know, but Jesus preached, he had the courage and that is why he had only 12 people because he was very straightforward. Truth was spoken with love, but the truth was truth. He didn't dilute anything. A lot of times like, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I, I have great passion for Jesus. During the worship time, we kneel down and everything. When it comes to telling about Jesus, somehow the fear comes in. Will I lose my friend? Will I lose my social status in my workplace? Will people judge me? You know, Jesus was crucified because of speaking the truth. You know, even on the cross, you know, one person got saved because he was preaching the truth. So as a being a follower of Christ, we need to have this boldness and courage. Now, we all know the, the story of Peter. You know, Peter, you know, uh, he preached the first sermon. You know, I really wish I will be like Peter. One sermon, 3,000 people got saved. I preached 3,000 sermon, not in one getting saved. You know, I really wish that Holy Spirit comes on me. You know? So Peter preached one sermon and 3,000 people got saved. And uh, while walking to the church, he saw a beggar, you know, well, I don't have money, but I can heal you. Come on, you know, just take it. And that has become a big, you know, uh, threat for the other religious leaders. And they put in a, a box to say, hey, we will release you, but don't preach the gospel anymore. Don't talk about this news. And very boldly he said, like, you know, who should I obey? Should I obey the earthly rulers? Or should I obey the king of kings? He had so much of courage. If you see in the book of Acts, Peter preached the gospel boldly. When there's a crisis, when the persecution was happening, the Acts church was praying, God, give us the boldness to preach the gospel. Wow, amazing prayer, right? You know, if I was in that place, you know, God, give me some like, you know, uh, easy ways to preach the gospel. Maybe I will take it slow. Maybe, you know, I should not you know, be very pushy and everything. But there, they're praying, God, we know the truth, you know, and give us the boldness to preach the gospel. Later, we can see Stephen, you know, he was throwing stones at them. He was exactly reflecting Christ, what he did on the cross. If you see in the book of Acts chapter 28, where Paul is finishing his life, preaching the gospel boldly. Why did God give this Holy Spirit? Why did God give this like anointing for us? So that, yes, we are humans, we have fear, we have struggles, we have doubts. But this Holy Spirit, the grace of God, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not only to pass in my exams, not only to get promoted, it is also to tell my atheist friends, to tell my friends who, who believe in all kinds of secular ideologies and telling them you know, that this is, the, I am the only way, I am the way and the truth and the life. That is why we don't have the boldness. Uh, so a lot of times during my uh, youth conferences or like when I'm going to preach or like, you know, that, you know, inside the church compound, inside the church campus, when the great music is there, air condition is there, how many of you love Jesus? Everybody will like shout out. How many of you want to tell, like, you know, whom you love, they, you know, the voice goes down. And it, it is so hard, you know. Uh, if a young guy, you uh, know, falls in love, the very first thing he do does is he wants to post it in the Instagram that I'm in a relationship. You know, in the Facebook, you have an option called I'm committed. You know, you want to promote your relationship to the person whom you really love. But when it comes to Jesus, you know, we're getting into a relationship, we don't have the courage, we don't have the heart, we don't have the boldness because we think I will be isolated or I'll be discriminated or I'll be like judged for what I believe. But this is the biggest barrier 
for preaching the gospel. You know, Acts Church, it was a big, it's a wonderful cycle they had. They will pray, they will be persecuted, they'll proclaim the message. Again, they'll proclaim, they'll be persecuted, they'll pray, again, they'll proclaim. It is a wonderful cycle throughout the things. Now, as a church, you know, we need to have the boldness to preach the gospel because we are not telling a lie. It's a truth. You know, if, I'm, if, I, if I go to a doctor, you know, and he sees a cancer in me, and he's a very good people pleaser, you know, he's a very good doctor, very good family friend, you know, and he's feeling offended, you know, or he's feeling worried, you know, should I tell this person, Ranjit has got a cancer you know, on his body, you know, if he doesn't speak the truth, I'm going to die eventually. The same thing, you know, like, you know, we are the spiritual doctors, we are the spiritual architects, we are the spiritual friends who are going to tell the truth, but speak truth with love. The five barriers of missions, the last barrier is lack of obedience, lack of obedience. A lot of times God has put a dream in your heart. A lot of times God has put a burden in your heart, but we keep aborting it. I don't know, you know Jonah was another classic example, like, you know, God asked him to go to Nineveh. But he said, you know, no, no, it's going to be very hard. You know, they don't deserve uh, this good news. You know, they're bad people. They're, they're, they deserve death and everything. And he took the other way. He disobeyed. So normally I tell, you know, like, you know, if you, when God speaks, when you obey, you have an easy journey. Otherwise, when you disobey, uh, you will have to a journey that is not very comfortable. Now, if when God said, Go, you should have had an easy journey, but now we have to go through the belly of the whale when you have to come or the backside of the whale, you know. So disobedience has really aborted God's plan. A lot of time God speaks. Just throughout the Bible, you know, you just figure out whenever God came and met his people, what did he speak? What are the usual conversation? You see from Noah, you see from Moses, we can see from Abraham, you see from... Isaiah, you know, what was the usual conversation God had with his people? When he met Noah, he gave a mission. Hey, this whole world is like, you know, so corrupted. Now, can you do something, make an ark and save a generation? That was the conversation. And thank God, Noah obeyed. What was the conversation when he met Abraham? You know, very hard, you know, like, you know, suddenly God comes in. Leave your country, very hard. For a South Indian, leaving a Chennai is very, very hard. Leave your country, leave your family and go to the place where I'm going to send you. So whenever God came and met his people, he gave a project. He gave a mission. You know, when Moses was happily married, having a wonderful chilling with his uh, sheep and like, you know, uh, with his kids and everything. At the age of 80, when he lost his speech, when he lost his vision and God is telling, go and rescue my people who are in Egypt. I heard the prayer. When God met Moses, this was the conversation, you know, when Peter, wow, amazing uh, miracle happened, like, you know, there's empty boats, empty nets, Jesus coming in, suddenly the business is flourishing, all the neighbors, all the friends are also being blessed. And immediately after the blessing, and Jesus is telling, hey, Peter, you know, I have bigger purpose for you, leave the boats, leave the nets and come and follow me. This was the usual conversation, you know, but when we pray during a devotion time, what God speaks to us? Are we not able to hear what God is speaking? You know, so we can see in the Bible how God speaks. It is all about his missions. Only thing is we don't obey. We don't listen carefully. You know, so I'm going to uh, share the last part. The five barriers which I shared were the first barrier is lack of relationship with God. Second is 
lack of exposure of the scriptures. Third is lack of clarity about gospel. Fourth is lack of courage to present Jesus to our friends and families. Fifth is lack of obedience. But uh, one of the greatest example, you know, a lot of examples in the Bible, all of them did a wonderful job. But uh, personally, like, you know, I really, uh, I get inspired, I get like, you know, encouraged by this one person called Paul. You know, and Paul, Romans chapter 15, verse 20, he says, it, is, it, has, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Amazing. Now, what kind of person like, you know, like this person having only one ambition. Now, who is he? He's a Hebrew. He was a Jew. He's a Roman citizen. You know, he worked for the government, you know, and he was the most educated person. And this person saying, you know, I don't have any other ambition. There's only one ambition I have in my life is to preach the gospel where the Christ has not been preached. Today morning, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Like, you know, what is your ambition? Paul. You know, he lived a wonderful life, a Roman citizen who has got all the right to travel across the whole you know, uh, nations. You know, he can fight for his rights. He had a lot of rights, educated, taken care, well-settled person. And this person is telling, you know, I have only one ambition is to preach the gospel where the gospel has not been preached. Today morning, I just want to challenge you or encourage you or inspire you like, you know, the millions of people or head to your wonderful name called Jesus. As you and me was blessed by the love of Christ, can we take one step extra? Can we take one more step to share the gospel through life, through testimony, by speaking the truth? You know, I think most of you will know this person, a 27-year-old American. You know, his name is uh, John Allen Chua. I think uh, four years back or three years back. Uh, this was a very inspiring story for many people. And this person is a 27-year-old guy from American culture. And, you know, and he had a great heart for preaching the gospel to the tribal people in Andamans. You know, and he said, I'm going to go take a risk. I'm going to like, read his last uh, uh, statements. You know? And I said, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this. It's worth to declare Jesus to these people. I'll repeat it again for you. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this. It is worth to declare Jesus to these people and please do not be angry at them or if I get killed. What an ambition that he had. Americans will have a lot of dreams. Indians will have a lot of dreams. But this young guy, 27 years old guy, you know, his only ambition was to preach the name of Jesus where they have never heard about this. And he also mentioned, even if I'm killed, it is worthy to die for Jesus. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you like, you know, yes, we experience the love of Christ. We are blessed by the love of Christ. What is my response to the love which he has poured upon our life? And I also like to like pray with you, you know, and, uh, you know, let's have the heart of God and uh, let's pray. Yeah, Father, uh, thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the wonderful community. Uh, thank you for the wonderful family and the kids. You have blessed us, Lord. And Lord, right now we pray that God, uh, you loved us so much and you gave your only one son, Lord. And as a church, as a community, we believe that God is our response to Lord to give the best for you and by just uh, living the gospel and sharing the gospel and reaching out to the people, Lord, who are close to our houses 
and to the places where that Lord that we cannot go, Lord. I pray and bless every family. I pray and bless the whole family that God that you will give the courage, you will give us the boldness, and you will give the heart to take this gospel to the places where the gospel has not been preached, Lord. In the name of prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.